I'm Courtney Lundeen, and welcome to the Elevate Motherhood podcast. Do you find yourself wishing you could have more moms, sisters, and friends encouraging you and pouring into you, inspiring you to live as the mom God has called you to be? Too often, our culture minimizes the role of motherhood, but I believe that being a mom is a high calling, and we're answering the call and stepping up to the plate. I love simplicity and efficiency, habits and routines, but my favorite part of life is being a mom. If you want practical strategies to lighten your load, simplify your life, let some things be easy, and make room for what matters most, you're in the right place. I'll remind you that every blessing and provision is God's and help you reflect that mindset in your homes and to your families. Thanks for joining me, friend. I'm glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Elevate Motherhood podcast. Today we are talking about how to save and organize some of our kids' special memories. Every single idea mentioned in this episode is 100% optional, and you can still be a great mom and do absolutely none of these things. I am sure most people in these times just rely on iPhone photos and Instagram posts to save their children's memories and milestones, and I don't think there's one thing wrong with that. We are so lucky we live in a time like this where it is so easy to document and remember special times. I am sure our moms wish that they could have done it so easily like we do now. This is just one of those fun extra topics that I personally enjoy thinking about and doing. Some people don't care to think about this type of thing to the extent that I do, and that's totally okay. That's why I'm the one talking about this subject on my podcast, and I listen to other podcasts about things I don't typically think about. But the new year is coming up, so maybe some of you listening will want to use a fresh start to add one of these ideas to your life. Or maybe there's just something you've never thought about before and now you have a new idea. So I feel like there are lots of different options when it comes to saving our kids things like physical pictures, art projects, sentimental items, keepsakes memorabilia, mementos of things that we collect throughout their lives. I bet a lot of people don't really save many things for several reasons. Maybe simply because they're disorganized, in a hurry, and rushing through the day-to-day. But that's what I don't want for us. If you don't save some stuff, let it be for intentional reasons. You're choosing to have less things, or you're choosing very specific things. You have gathered from other episodes that I have some minimalistic tendencies, so my natural instinct is really not to save things. But I have gained some sentimental feelings towards things in regard to my children over the years. I have learned that it is important to me to save some sentimental things. But on the flip side, I think it would be easy for some people to carelessly save every single thing their kids touch. We could throw it all under our kids' beds, in the attic, in storage bins, and everything could be so cluttered that we can't even find the things that we want to find. We may be so overwhelmed with stuff that we don't even go through it to soak in the special memories hidden in there by mounds of wrinkled paper. If we have too much disorganized stuff, we might feel constantly the mental burden of, I should go organize my kids' memories, or We might feel the physical burden of boxes and boxes and boxes of things that are in the way of the things that really are special. So that's not what I want for us either. I just want to give us some ideas to let this be a little more systemized and thoughtful so that we can intentionally decide what we want to save or not save and how we want to keep those things. 
So here's my goal for this episode today. We will talk about the easiest ways possible that don't take too much time to preserve and save the memories we want to save and access later, to give some attention to what we are saving. So we aren't overwhelmed with clutter and stressed when we do want to find something. So we can relish in the memories of special and sentimental items that remind us of some of the highlights of our lives. To simplify this part of our lives so we have space physically and mentally for what matters most, which is probably time with our families in the present moment. I feel like a logical place to start this conversation is baby books. This is something we usually think about while we are still pregnant, something we add to our baby registries. And as you guys are starting to get to know me better, you can probably safely assume that this is something I over-researched when I was pregnant. I love researching things to feel like I'm choosing the perfect thing for me. And I love organization, and I love kids, and I love special memories. So yes, baby books are right up my alley. I know our generation isn't probably quite as into baby books as maybe our moms were. Like we already said, we have Instagram and social media as easy ways to look back at our baby's memories. And yes, I really do think those are great ways to save the memories. A highlight reel in one of the best senses. I'm all for that. But something about making and looking at my old school paper in my hand baby books is so special for me. I feel like this is something that might get harder the more kids that we have. Maybe our firstborns get a great detailed book and the third kid gets more like a hospital bracelet saved in their bedside table somewhere. This is how even my own mom was. I'm the firstborn and my baby book is very detailed, including a calendar of literally every day of my first few months or years of life and everything I did those days. And my sister is the third kid and she got one month filled out of a standard baby book and that's all we could find. And the moral of this story is, my sister still feels loved and celebrated. Honestly, she does. All the babies of the family think they are the favorite, right? Baby book or not. So don't let any bit of this conversation make you feel bad. Remember, this is all just extra. It's not required. So yes, I did research a million baby books when I was pregnant. And the one I chose is called The Story of You by Emily Lay. If you don't know who Emily Lay is, I'm happy to be the one to introduce you to her. I love Emily Lay and all her products. Her company is called Simplified, and it's everything organization and simplicity, and it's all beautiful. All things I love. And I also love her heart for being a mom, and she's a Christian too. If you like my podcast, you will probably like hers too. I love her heart for her business too. I've listened to her podcast regularly, and she sometimes talks about how she prioritizes family and makes decisions for her business for reasons other than only financial. She and her employees take more downtime in the summer to be with their families and stuff like that. She just seems like the kind of person I love supporting. But her baby books are beautiful and to me the perfect mix of enough space for journaly writing and pictures, but not so much that it feels overwhelming and too much to ever get done. It is very doable. I looked on her website just now for links for you guys and I noticed that she has extra pages available for her baby books for adoption NICU, infertility, foster, and heavenly babies. How special is that? You could also add pages like that to your own baby books if some of those could apply for you. For my babies, each month of their first year of life, on the day of their birth, I took the little pictures for Instagram and the baby books. There are so many cute signs now that say one month, two months, and so on. 
Those are fun to lay next to the baby each month so you can remember exactly which month it was. So much changes month to month that first year. It's amazing to me even still. But my husband and I kind of made it a tradition that each month we would fill out the little corresponding pages on their baby book too. That night, after the kids would go to bed, we would take a few minutes to jot down the few lines to take note of what was special about them that month, or fun memories that month, or their milestones. To make this process even quicker, I started a note on that app on my phone that I kind of added to continually just a few words here and there that I knew I wanted to add to their baby book. In that same note, I would write six months, seven months, eight months, and just jot down all the fun things they did or learned. And then while we filled out the pages for their baby books, I would look at that note on my phone. I would also look at my calendar from the previous month to remember what we did that month, and I would look at the pictures on my phone for that previous month to help me remember all the things we did. It made it really easy to just write some stuff down. It doesn't have to be perfect. Coming from a recovering perfectionist myself, I'm giving you permission right here to just get something written down on the pages of the baby book instead of waiting for everything to be perfect. You can go back and do this after your baby's older, but it will be easier to remember it the sooner you do it, and it will give you a sense of accomplishment to just do it each month. 10 minutes tops. You can do it. And if you are someone who bought a baby book and never finished it or never even started it, maybe you can do it now. Get it off your to-do list and stop thinking about it. Just look through your old calendar and photos on your phone, and that will probably be enough to trigger memories enough to fill out the pages. The baby book I used, and probably most baby books, have a few pages at the beginning of the pregnancy, celebrations like baby showers or gender reveals, and things that to note about the world at that time. So if you do get a baby book while you are still pregnant, you can even get a head start on that part before the baby gets here. Some baby books have pages for baby footprints, and you have a few options here. This is typically the one page that seems so special but takes a bit more work than the others. Some people are organized enough to bring this page with you to the hospital or birth center for the birth, and you can have the hospital nurses stamp footprints on the exact page while they do the one for their official birth documentation. You can bring your whole baby book or even just that one page with you. Or you can just tape the page that they give you with their footprints on it to the baby book later, which is what I did. Or you can stamp your own footprints in the book several days later. Or you can just take this page out or tape something else over it if the baby footprints aren't something that you want to do. I also use a washi tape type decorative tape in my baby books. I use real double-sided tape to tape down the pictures, but I like to use a decorative tape too. It just makes it really special. Another thing I love about the Story of You baby books are that they come in a nice, sturdy, labeled white box to save them in. I like that it comes in a box because I like to leave a pair of scissors, a pen, double-sided tape, and the washi tape in the box each month so it's ready to go. I also like to throw pictures in that book when I do print them off and want to tape them on later if I don't do it right away. If yours doesn't come with a box, you could just store those items near the baby book to make that process less work each month. If I haven't convinced you to get those baby books yet, if you're still looking for one, here's another reason I love them. Emily Lay and Simplified also sell a big kid book for ages two through five. I am sure that for a lot of you listening, after your kid's first birthday, you may feel so glad that the baby book is done that you never want to do anything like that again. You're done with the baby book. Congrats. Never again. 
or you may feel like you're not quite ready to stop and not ready to end the documentation of every little thing they do, which is like me. If you do want to keep going, you can get the Big Kid book and keep on saving the memories here. You could get this book for ages 2 through 5 no matter what book you had for the first year of life. These books are meant to mostly be done once a year, which is even more manageable than the month by month. I still keep a note on my phone for each of my kids that I just jot down the date and the funny things they do or say, or special memories. And every year, I'll write them all down in this book to save them. So, the next natural topic of conversation of kids' memories are once they start making art projects and going to Mother's Day out, daycare, preschool. They are always coming home with papers that they drew or craft projects that they made. Where do we put these? Do we save them all? How do we save them reasonably? Here are my thoughts on this. I purchased an accordion file folder. Most of these that are full paper sized say A4, and a lot of those come with 13 spaces. This seems perfect for me that a child that goes to school for 13 years, preschool through senior year, gets an accordion file with 13 spaces. I am planning that this accordion file is for saving the best of the best things for each of these years. Most of them do stretch out pretty wide, so it's not like you only get 10 pages per year. Some people do file boxes instead of accordion folders. You would get like a real clear file folder box with hanging folders. This works just as great and might give you a tiny bit more room. I saw some Etsy shops that make cute name decals for the front of those plastic tubs and cute labels for each folder with the school year. I will link to those in the show notes. The accordion file that I use is Simplified Brand by Emily Lay. I promise she is not a sponsor of this podcast or anything. I just really do love her stuff. But the one I have is not exactly available anymore. There are many other cute ones I have found, though, and I will link to those in the show notes. So I kind of have a multi-step system for how I organize and save and display these kids' paper projects. My first bit of advice, step one, is to really relish in their accomplishments. Take out their artwork, gush over it, tell them how much you love it, ask them about it, ask them to tell you how they made it, how they feel about it, why they feel proud of it. This is such an important step. They will probably never be more proud of this project than they are right now. Don't just throw it in a box for the next 30 years or throw it straight in the trash. Let them see that you love it. If you have an area of your house for displaying your kid's favorite art. This would be step two for the best art. Saving something that they spent time on or that you actually think is beautiful. Hang it up. Some people do this right next to their family wall calendar if you have one of those or a spot in the playroom to display art or have a strip on the wall with paper clips to display their art. I actually think displaying kids' art projects can be done really tastefully and makes a really fun decoration in a playroom or a special place in the house. Step three for saving these art projects is something I did recently, which my kids love, and I wish I did it sooner. I created an art gallery in their closets of their bedroom. I got some clear thumbtacks, and I hang up some of their most colorful and most special art on the wall of their closet. They both are so proud of these walls. So after you take something down off your playroom art display, you can move it to these closet gallery walls. I do like that they are sort of hidden in their bedrooms and not displayed all over their walls. The closet makes it seem a little bit more special for them too. The fourth step is to throw it in a big plastic savings tub. 
I keep one of these for each of my kids in the garage. It's their savings box. This is the one where I keep their most special outgrown clothes and stuff like that. I don't take the time to sort through all of their art projects. I just throw them loosely in the bin. If you don't want to display the art in the playroom or have a closet gallery wall, you can just go straight from step one, gushing over their art projects, to step four, throw it in the clear storage bin. I do not sort through this bin, I just throw it in there loosely for now. If something is clearly trash, I do not put it in the storage bin. I don't really let my kids see me throw it away, but if it is made with real food like Fruit Loops or it has a ton of glitter falling off of it, I just throw it away. But most things I do put loosely in the savings box. Then at the end of the school year, I gather all of these art projects and I save them in their accordion file folder for that year. Save as many as you want but I feel like it's easier to prioritize which ones are save-worthy when you see them all at once at the end of the year. And it saves time week by week throughout the year to just throw them in there. Personally, at the end of the year, I like to save the cute ones with their face on it or the about me type things they fill out. And I prefer not to save the ones with large popsicle sticks or real leaves and acorns falling off of them. The accordion file folders are just kind of school year based for me. So I save their art projects, including special school papers, awards, school pictures, class pictures, and sports pictures in this file as well. My kids are still young, so this may change as I go, but it's working great for me now, and I've done this for the past four years since my son started Mother's Day Out. I put all of the Mother's Day Out years in the first file of the accordion folder, the preschool folder. I actually have a small real folder inside that preschool file for each year of Mother's Day Out or preschool. Another thing that you can keep inside a storage bin to store sentimental items is a small keepsake box. Maybe you have a lot of ultrasound pictures, hospital wristbands, baby's first outfit, receiving blankets, baby's first shoes or toys, things like that that are special and you don't necessarily want it lost in a giant storage bin. There are some extremely beautiful keepsake boxes for things like this. I put a lot of mine inside my baby book, so I don't personally have one of these, but I do see where they serve a purpose. And the more I've thought about it for this episode, I'm thinking that I do want to get one. One of my best friends makes personalized wooden keepsake boxes with the kids' names etched on it in her hand lettering that are so beautiful and so perfect for the most special items. I've also seen really beautiful large keepsake trunks that can be personalized too. I'll link to all of these things in the show notes as well. So then there are some things that may be really special to your kids that may not be really special to you, or maybe they are special to you because they are special to your kids, but they don't really feel like they belong in the storage bin that you've been saving. This is one of my favorite parts of this episode, the treasure box or special box or whatever you want to call it. This treasure box goes in their room and they have access to it at all times. Special rock that they found when you were on a walk. Great save it in the treasure box. Special treasures like jewels that fell off their art projects and they keep them in their pockets? Great, save it in the treasure box. You know little kids love finding little things and making them special. I think this treasure box gives kids a sense of personal space that they can have a special box just for them, full of all their treasures. What, do you get the kid that has everything for Christmas? How about a treasure box? One special person I know got me this as a baby gift when I was pregnant with my son. She had two boys in high school at that time, and she said she remembered it being so special for her boys to have a treasure box growing up. 
So her baby gift to me was a treasure box for him filled with books for me. Isn't that a thoughtful gift? It meant so much to me. You can find some that actually look like pirate style treasure chests or even just some cute storage boxes from Home Good, Home Goods or Target or wherever. I will link to some of those in the show notes. The next thing I want to talk about are little journals I keep for my kids. This is just something I've done to save some of my thoughts and prayers more so than the things the kids have done themselves. This is just a way for myself and maybe them someday when they're older to remember my personal thoughts and prayers as they grew up. So I have a plain, small, journal-style notebook for each kid where I write to them. I write my thoughts about them at the time or prayers I'm praying for them. Sometimes I write about a special memory or a special day or what they love at that time of their lives, or why they are special to me. It's usually just one or two pages of a notebook size book. It just takes me five to ten minutes. My husband isn't quite as sentimental as me necessarily. Or actually, maybe he is, but writing things out is not something he really wants to do all the time. But every once in a while, when he sees me writing in these books, he wants to write something too. So scattered throughout the books are notes to my kids from him too. I got this idea from one of my friend's mother-in-law. She does this as a notebook of prayers for each of her sons. She said it would be special for them one day to see all the prayers that she has prayed over them throughout their lives. She has six sons, and she does this for each of them. So for those of us listening that have less than six kids, keep her in mind when this seems just like one more thing on your to-do list. It is something extra, and it's not required, but it is extra special. It's your words. I find the best notebooks like this at HomeGoods or TJ Maxx in their stationary sections. I have a little floral one for my daughter and a black and white stripe one for my son, and they are either like blank on the front or it says something like notes. This is just something I like to do. It's kind of therapeutic for me, like journaling through this season of life, and I like that it's written to them throughout their life. So what about saving toys? My kids are already outgrowing some of their baby toys, so I'm already at this stage. I probably would be sticking to my minimalist ways and not saving toys and getting rid of them as soon as they outgrow them, except that my mother-in-law saved lots of my husband's toys, and my kids love going to her house to play with all of those toys. She carefully saved the toys in boxes that she can pull out for my kids, and she has told me how special it is for her to see my kids play with the things that her kids played with. So I am saving the best of the best toys that I can imagine I will pull out again throughout the years. I recently went to a friend's house who has kids a little bit older than mine, and she pulled out some old baby dolls for my daughter to play with when we were there. She mentioned that she learned that trick from a friend, and it felt really hospitable for me for someone to pull out toys for my kids to play with when I'm visiting. It made me realize I want to be able to do that too. I'm not talking about saving every single toy, but maybe you can have a special bin and save the toys that don't really seem like they will fall apart and will still be good toys for years to come. A few special baby dolls, wooden trains and train tracks, things like that. If we save them carefully and intentionally in a way that we can access them when needed, I think that adds to our life and doesn't detract. Even my slightly minimalistic mindset can get on board with that. So another perspective I want to talk about here on this episode is that now I can view this act of saving childhood memories as the kid and as the parent. Now that I'm grown and I have my own childhood memory savings boxes handed down to me, and my husband's handed down to him. It has kind of shaped how I'm saving things for my kids. 
it made me realize that maybe some of these memories that we are saving are more for us as the parents than they are for the kids. I can imagine that me going through my childhood savings box of pages where I learned to write my name does seem special to me now. And I think it's sweet that our parents saved some of these things. It does mean something to me that they cared enough to think that these things are special. But I can imagine now as the mom that these memories are going to be more to me as the mom than they might to my kids. I look at these pages of my kids learning to write their names and I'll remember their big smiles and their tiny hands at that age. Remembering how they held a crayon. Remembering how hard they worked learning to write all the letters of their name. And how adorable it is that some of the letters are not in a straight line and that some of them are backwards. It makes me emotional even just reading this. But I'm keeping that thought with me as I create these baby books and put certain things in their savings boxes. Some of these things are kind of for me, and I'll share them if and when the kids want them. But also for this reason, I want to make it possible for my kids to find and enjoy the things that I am saving that I know they'll want. Maybe they'll love to see their sports jerseys someday, or their favorite books from their childhood. And I don't think, for me at least, having 15 boxes of every single thing they've ever done is the best situation. I think it's great that special things are in there somewhere, but it may not be just as easy to go through and find the special stuff. I think that maybe less boxes with the best of the best school papers and memories might make the special things even more special. And surely it'll be even easier to go through more regularly and find the good stuff that's worth looking at. So save whatever is special to you and your family, but try to be intentional with what you save and how you save it. I don't want to encourage any specific limits here. Save whatever is special to you. Everyone has different thresholds for this. My main goal with this conversation is saving these special things in easier ways that make them accessible and more easier to trigger the memories. That's the goal. That our current present day-to-day life is intentional and easy. That the memories are preserved and fun to access and go through so that we can enjoy the things that we've saved. I hope this episode gave you some fun ideas and ways to think about this topic. You may notice that I'm not addressing digital pictures and videos here, which is obviously a main, if not the main, way we document our kids' childhoods these days. And honestly, I don't feel prepared or qualified to give advice on this topic at this time because I have approximately 1 million photos on my phone and it does seem disorganized. I have tried a few different systems, but I'm just not sold on what exactly works best for me. Sometime soon, I'll post on social media where you guys can give me your best tips for the digital memories. I'll do some more research on this area and find some systems that work. And I'll share my ideas and all your ideas and we can help each other. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Elevate Motherhood podcast. I hope it was a blessing to you. If you want more of the Elevate Motherhood podcast, be sure to click subscribe in whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts. For more information, head to my website, CourtneyLundin.com. You can also subscribe to my once-a-week email that includes the most recent podcast episode, scripture and encouragement, and links for things we love or talk about on the show. Thanks for being here, friends. Until next time, let's elevate motherhood.